0: Praise the Lord. Brother Josh, where are you at? All right, I'm sure he's chomping at the bit to get up here. So. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Give him a, give him a welcome here. I've
1: got a green light. There we go. I can hear me now. I was a little bummed that uh, we weren't live streaming last night, so I took the opportunity to go back and listen to... Uh, Uh, one of Jason's messages and one of Eddie's messages. And he was reiterating how much the Lord was sharing to him and he just hoped you guys got to kind of come on the journey with him. And and this really is the exact same with my message. Uh, This is something that the Lord has been working hard and heavy with me. Um, I just want to share by way of review You know, I was probably like so um, many people out there, maybe some of you in this room, maybe some of you watching uh, over the Internet, but um, it was really hard when Rachel and I moved back from Owensboro to the area to want to come back here. You know, while we were gone, uh, our beloved Pastor Rod had, had passed away and, uh, for feelings of hurt and loss and, and such things, it was hard for me to want to step in here. Uh, but, uh, you know, you know that scripture, uh, where the disciples tell Jesus, where else would we go? You have the words of life. I'm telling you folks, there's something special here. And, um, when you go looking, <laughs> it's just not out there. It, 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 I'm not saying there's not other good churches, don't take that wrong, but there's just something here for me, there's just something here for my family. So anyway, we came and I was standing right back there at that wall, worshiping, and all I can tell you is this was a, a God thing. It was probably one of the top two, three, four most supernatural things that really ever happened in my life, but... um Just in an instant, all the hurt, all the loss, all the disappointment was just gone. And in place of it, it wasn't just that I received healing from the Lord, but He filled me too because in place of it was just an absolute love for this place, for wellspring. And uh, you know, God put it there and He's no respecter of persons. He can do that for anyone. He can pour in an absolute love for this place and in an instant wash away your hurt and your pain. Uh, why do I say that? Well, part of it is I want to get to the point about how much I love everyone in this room and how much the people in this room is on, on my heart. You know, we're going to have a vote in a little while and... Maybe you guys will see fit to have me as one of your elders and, and maybe you won't. I don't, I don't know the result. Uh, I know which way I'd like to see it go, but, uh, but the point is I couldn't not serve you guys no matter how the vote goes. I couldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't dig in and pray for you guys. I couldn't come here and serve your children. I couldn't not be knitted to Chad and Eddie and Bob and and Randy and and just, you know, everybody and Jason and, and the team that we, and Keevan, and the team that we started this journey with. Uh, my hearts are so knitted to those people. And then the people that have been here long serving and, and uh, the people that we ended up building stuff with. I just am so in love with this place, and it's never wavered. My heart is to serve here, and whether I'm an elder or not, I couldn't help but not do that. The other reason I want to tell you that I really do love you guys is because of what I feel like the Lord gave me. And, you know, there can be a very thin line between conviction and condemnation. And really, it's a matter of if the enemy gets in there and works on you. Uh, I can tell you that in love, everything that I've got here is for a matter of conviction. You know, I hope to see us going deeper together into the Lord. And that is the only heart of this message. It's not to tell anyone they're not doing enough, they're not enough. Um I was serious when I said this whole message was birthed in the Lord showing me my deficiencies. So if that tells you anything right there, I'm in need of this sermon as much as anybody in the room. So I hope that um you can receive this from a place of love because that's uh where it is coming from and there's some places the Lord wants to take us. Uh, we know that, um, you know, uh, we are... If not all of us, there is a remnant of us who is committed to each other and to the Lord that we will give Him no rest until we see Him move in this place. You know, uh, Evan Roberts, for those of you who don't know, who is considered the leader of the Welsh revival, uh, he had this heart cry, bend me, Lord bend me. And he knew that uh, he had to be broken in spirit, that he had to bend his knee to the Lord, that he had to bend his will to the Lord's will. And we're going after that. We are absolutely going after that. And so I want to um, share some things that uh, the Lord is speaking to me. He says, you want to go after that? Okay, this is kind of what this thing's going to look like. So... Let me go ahead and read. I brought out the old-fashioned paper today. It's just something about holding a Bible. You know, I've, I've gone mostly electronic these days. I read on my phone, but man, I just love paper. So, let me read this. Uh, I got nervous a couple of weeks ago. Keevan shared out of this passage, and, and I thought, oh no. But uh, I share you that... Uh, I'll bring a little different light to it. But uh, the title of my message today is that there were four crosses, all right? So I'm going to start off in uh, Luke 23, 39 through 43. Now remember, so in Luke 23, you know, Jesus is on the cross, all right? And there were two men next to him. It says, one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear the Lord, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, "Truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise." Let's pray. And I really want to thank my father-in-law. I called Sam this morning and we talked, and and he prayed for me, and and uh, really appreciated it. But I just want to pray because the enemy would love to sow conviction, or I mean condemnation. But the Lord is looking for conviction, and if I don't convey the words properly, it could get all mixed up. Holy Spirit, would You just come, would You work in our hearts that the Word would go forth and it would find good ground and it would grow up and there would be a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold. Lord, I I believe in my heart that I am moving in the message that You want me to preach and that you've gone before me and prepared hearts, Lord. I just thank you, Lord. Move me out of the way. And Holy Spirit, would you come forth? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. So at the risk of feeling like I'm just redoing Easter, which is just a few weeks uh, past, and, uh, and reviewing what uh, Keevan said, just know that this message is still what's on my heart. So I'll do just a little review. As we know, the first cross is the cross of Christ. You know, there is no more important cross. There is nothing, if nothing else ever in history happened, the cross is crucial. Uh, I just wanted to list a few things that happened on the cross, this first cross, the cross of Christ. You know, in Deuteronomy twenty-one, twenty-three, in the law it says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And uh, Paul brings this up again in Galatians 3.13. It said that Jesus became a curse so we could be blessed. So that's one of the things He did on His cross, is He became cursed so that we could become blessed. Do you know that that them wanting to take him down off the cross that day and bury him, that was fulfilled in the law. It said that in the law it said, do not leave the person hang overnight because it will become a curse to your land. Right? And Jesus didn't come to be a curse to our land. He came to take the curse so that we could walk in blessing. Uh, Hebrews 9.16, I don't know if anyone's ever thought about it like this, but it says that, You know, no will can be enacted until there's a death. You know, the Lord had a covenant for us, a new will, a new testament. But until there had been a death, that new will couldn't be enacted. So Jesus had to die in order for us to receive our will. And our will was grace, it was mercy, it was freedom, it was peace. There had to be a death in order for that to go into effect In Leviticus 17.11, and then it's echoed again being talked about in Hebrews 9.22, it says He gave His blood for the remission of sin once and for all. Well, that's not what it says in Leviticus 17.11. In Leviticus 17.11, it says, you know, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. You know? That's why the priests had to bring blood of animals year after year after year. They continually had to make sacrifice. And that's what the writer in Hebrews is talking about. He said, you know, the blood in bulls of goats, it couldn't get the job done for good. They just had to keep bringing it. But Jesus was a more perfect sacrifice. You know, His blood was, was perfect, and it made that sacrifice once and for all. And then He was able to sit down at the throne. So, by Him shedding His blood, He gave us remission of sin so that we could be free before the Lord. In Isaiah 53.5, and then it's reiterated again in 1 Peter 2.24, you notice how all these beautiful things that the Lord did? That was the message they were preaching in the New Testament. It was prophesied in the Old Testament that it would happen, and then it happened, and then that's what the apostles taught. Was Christ crucified. But in Isaiah fifty three, five, and then reiterated in first Peter two twenty four, it says He was pierced for our transgressions. It says He was crushed for our iniquities. It says He was the, his the chastisement was on him so that we could have peace. And it says He was wounded so that we could be healed. The Lord bought those things for us on His cross. This isn't an exhaustive list. This whole sermon could be about the list of everything Christ accomplished on the cross. Just giving a little review, a little taste of what the Lord did. There's so many more. but uh, So let's move on to the second cross. Uh, You know, it says that um, one of the criminals who hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Keevan told us a couple weeks ago that there was opportunity at that cross. Each man on each side of him had an opportunity, and one man seized it and the uh, the other man did not. But also what the Lord shared with me is those two men are like a mirror. And we have an opportunity to look on each one of them and see what state we're in. You know, are we a mocker? Are we proud? Or are we like the other man who was humble and realized his need and realized who Jesus was and asked Jesus to rescue him? You know, it kind of reminds me of a story in Luke 18, uh, one of Jesus' parables, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Uh, hopefully you guys know this story, but there were two men, it says two men went to pray. And one of them, the tax collector was saying, oh God, I thank you that I'm not like these people. I give and I fast and, and you know, he was, he went before the Lord and he touted his own self-righteousness. But then there was the tax collector who beat his chest and, and said, you know, I'm a sinner. I know what I am, and I need your grace. I need your help. I need your mercy because I'm not right in myself. And I see those, that, that Pharisee and tax collector uh, real similar to the two men on the cross. You know, and there is an opportunity to see ourselves in them. And to look at ourselves because it can be real easy to say, Well, I'm obviously the guy who's humble before the Lord. Are you? (laughs) I don't, I can't answer that for you. I'll tell you this experience I had one time. um, I don't know what type of experience it was, to be honest. I don't know. If I was in a trance, I don't think that I physically left my body and was in heaven. But whether it was a dream, a vision, a trance, I don't know. But all of a sudden I was before the Lord. And you could tell it was like the throne room of God. And He was going down the line... And as he would go down the line, people were putting their crowns down before him. And it got nearer and nearer to me, and I started to feel all sick to my stomach. And when he stood before me, I grabbed the crown, and then I hesitated. And that hesitation set it all. And disappointment flooded over me, and, and, the very next thought i had was well what good is this crown anyway if i can't keep it and it's i can't it said everything i don't i don't know how to better convey it but i realized in an instant my pride my arrogance my self-seeking how I wanted things for myself and not for the Lord's glory. It set it all right there when I couldn't lay that crown down at His feet. Now, there again, like I was talking to you guys in the beginning, that could be condemnation or that can be conviction, a cause to change. I wish I could say that I went out of that this different immediately. But I guess I'm just stubborn and slow and it took a while, but I can tell you that experience and many others over time have changed me, and now I really believe that I couldn't get that crown off my head fast enough because I know that in and of myself I couldn't have earned a crown anyway. The heart is desperately wicked. Man is in and of himself selfish, and... Not only am I every bit of normal man, which is selfish and self-seeking, but then somehow I got a, like an extra dose of narcissism on top of it. So believe me, i if the Lord didn't give me a crown to put at His feet, I could not achieve one. And it's my heart's desire to now just be a person who gets bent. Bend me, Lord a person who breaks before the Lord, a person who, when the Lord steps in front of them, says, this crown is yours, Lord Jesus. I wouldn't have even had it if it weren't for you. So, when we look at that mirror, what do we see? Do we see that mirror of the man on the cross? Do we see a mocker and someone who's in pride? Or are we that other man and we look at him and we say, Yes, I'm humble, I'm broken. I have to have you, Lord. Without you, I'm nothing. All right? So the second and third crosses are mirrors of our soul's state. But there's a fourth cross. It's not in this text. It's in a different text, and I'm going to so uh, Matthew 16. You know, Jesus uh, was talking about His death to His disciples. And it said, and yet Peter took Him aside. Do you know why it says, and yet Peter took Him aside? It's because this is the same Peter who had just got handed the keys. Have you ever been handed the keys to something? For those of us here, we've ever bought a house and they hand us the keys or get a new car, and the dealership hands you the keys. I remember the first time several years ago that uh, I bought my first motorcycle. They handed me the keys. I plugged them in and drove off from there and darn near killed myself in the first 30 seconds. (laughs) Kind of had to get my motorcycle legs back underneath me, you know. But, uh, But I had the keys, man, and it was awesome. Well, Peter had just received the keys. He was the man. However, in no time at all, the Lord was rebuking him and even calling him Satan. Man, I I just got the keys. I'm the man. And now Jesus is rebuking me and telling me, get behind me, Satan. See, what had happened was Jesus had said He was going to Die, And Peter said, you know, pulled him aside and said, no, not you, Jesus. You're not going to go through that. And it was then that Jesus revealed the fourth cross. I'm going to read it in 16, verse 24. It said, then Jesus said to his disciples... If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Going on in 25, it says, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, Jesus knew that Peter and the disciples, all men really, it's not natural for us to have the things of God in mind. And so when Peter tried to rebuke Jesus for saying that He was going to die, Jesus knew more than what Peter knew. Jesus knew that that list of things that He was going to do at the cross was very necessary. He knew that He had a will for us but He needed to die for it to be enacted. He knew that when He was wounded on that cross, we were going to be healed. He knew that He was going to get chastised so that His righteousness, His peace, could be upon us. You know, I don't know if Jesus, when He was beginning to teach them that He was going to die, told them that He was going to die on a cross. It doesn't say that. It just says that Jesus began to teach them that He was going to die. But when He told them to take up their cross in order to follow Him, they would have known what a cross was. It was very common for the Romans to crucify people on a cross in that day. Regular criminals like the two men beside Jesus. Um, political uh, enemies of Rome, would have. there would have been a lot of those who died on a cross. Uh, thieves, rebels, they would have died on crosses. Can you imagine Jesus telling them to pick up their cross? That would have been horrifying. You want me to do what? <laughs> you know, so whether they knew that Jesus was going to die on a cross or whether they didn't, when He told them to pick up a cross, that would have been shocking, to say the least. But that is what Jesus told them to do, pick up your cross and carry it. So what does it look like for us to pick up our cross? See, that message wasn't just to them only. You know, that was the first place there was a person who did not have the things of God in mind. But all through the ages, there have been people who don't have the things of Christ in mind. I, all too often, don't have the things of Christ in mind. So, that leaves us needing to pick up our cross daily in order to follow Him. Now, that can look like a lot of different stuff to uh, To different people, let me just read what uh, Paul said in second Corinthians. See Paul was someone who understood the need to uh, pick up a cross uh, first of all, he had received a lot of revelation. If there was someone who could have been proud, <laughs> puffed up, it would have been Paul. He had seen amazing things uh he's just being coy when he says, "I know a man who was lifted up into the third heavens. that man was him you know when you're a person who's been lifted up into the third heavens to hear the counsel of God, that could be a way of uh, creating arrogance when you've laid your hands on people and they 've been healed, when people come to you and get handkerchiefs. That have your sweat on them from your work day and may and send them out to people just so that it can touch people and they're healed, you could be an arrogant person. Paul knew what it was like to, to live in amazing revelation and power of God. And so he had a cross that he often picked up. Um, in verse eight it said in uh, second Corinthians of chapter. Four, actually, I'll start in seven. It says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. It says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about In the body, the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. See, that's what this thing is, this cross is. It's dying. To ourselves, so that we can live for Christ, so christ 's life lives in us. Has anyone ever read the scripture? This just came to me it 's not even in my notes, but do you remember the verse Paul says, "I do my part to, uh, to fill up what is lacking from the cross of Christ. He, how audacious to make it to say that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough, that it wasn't finished. But see, this scripture here is what Paul was talking about. Jesus' work on the cross was finished, but Paul was daily climbing up on his cross so that he could be broken, so that death would work in him, so that life could work in the people that he was ministering to. So though it could look like an arrogant scripture that Paul thought, well, I'm going to finish off this work that Jesus didn't, didn't finish, it wasn't that at all. He was actually doing a work that each one of us need to do. We need to finish up what was lacking in the work that Christ did. What was lacking in the work Christ did? He couldn't keep dying in each one of us Willfully, chosenly, day after day, year after year, so that the Holy Spirit could be poured out and life could be poured out through us. That's the work that Jesus couldn't finish. He finished his work and he went and sat on the cross, and then he turned to work over to us. And that work flamed into fruition on the day of Pentecost as the Holy Spirit filled us, and still are we willing to die day after day so that death will work in us and life will work for other people? That's a question I can't answer for you. That's a question I'm only coming to be able to answer for myself. That reminds me, uh, you know, Pastor Chad, when he gathered us guys together and asked us if we would serve for elders, he said, guys, this is all I want you to do. I just want you to be willing to lay in the dirt and die so that a harvest can grow up. That's this scripture right here. He's asking a group of guys, will you just die so that life can live through you? We know it says in the Bible that unless a seed fall into the ground and die, it can't grow up. A harvest can't grow up. All that is this right here, what I'm talking to you about. We die so that others might live. You know, Paul... I think, you know, we know in Corinthians, I, well, maybe not Corinthians, in one of Paul's New Testament writings, he begins to kind of, you could say brag, he said, I've been in the sea, I've been hungry, I've been beat, I've been stoned, you know, he gives this list of his battle wounds, his his resume, you know, most of us, uh, we like to beautify our resume, You know, I completed this project, and I accomplished this, and I was a part of this team working, networking, you know, ministry, group, agenda. Paul said, I was beat, I was stoned, I ran around naked, I went hungry. Oh yeah, and on top of that, I was constantly just sick to my stomach over the thought of what was happening with all these people that I loved and these churches that I planted. That was his resume. First of all, the people was his resume. And oh, by the way, I just died daily. I picked up a cross so that could happen for all these people, all right? The cross is not for us to earn salvation. Make no mistake. Jesus did that for us. We cannot again die so that we can get to heaven. We can only, by grace through faith, accept that Christ did that for us. But, it is a place for us to humble ourselves and lay down our will. To daily die so that He can live through us. Now, the, re- the reality of picking up the cross is going to look different for everyone. How I many know that Paul wrote that uh, in 2 Corinthians twelve eight through 10 he said, Three times I prayed that this thorn in the flesh would be taken from me, but the Lord saw fit to leave it with him. And I think there again, it was part of the cross that he had to bear to remain humble, to remain broken before the Lord. But I want to read you, I can't put this on you, mind you. I am not telling you this is your cross. I can only share for you part of what is my cross. You know, there's a lot of people who a cross has been thrust on them. Now, there's still a, willingly, there's still a willingness to accept it. Some people fight and kick, and other people just receive their cross and cling to it. But some people have sickness and illness, and that's their cross to bear. Other people have just constant financial lack, and that's their cross to bear. You know, other people have brokenness in their family relationships, and that's their cross to bear. I guess you could say, I'm lucky, or you could say, I'm not lucky. I don't know which way you want to look at it. But I don't battle any of those things. But yet, I still have to come up with the cross the Lord gave me so that I can be broken, so that I can be humbled. So I'm going to read to you out of uh, probably my... Favorite book in the Bible, and this is the cross that the Lord has given to me. This is Isaiah 58, and this is a chapter that the Lord wrote about fasting. It says, Cry loudly, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet, and declare to my people their transgression, and to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways as a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God. They ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Behold, on the day of your fast you find your desire and drive hard all your workers Behold, you fast for contention and strife and to strike with the wicked fast. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. Remember the guy I told you about in Jesus' parable, the tax collector? Lord, I thank you that I'm not like these people. I fast and I give. That was the kind of fast this guy was doing. He was fasting to show his piety before the Lord. Jesus says, Is it a fast like this that I choose? A day for a man to humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? When he says it that way, what do you think the answer is? No. by simply asking, have you ever had the Lord ask you a question and as soon as he asked it to you, you knew, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, there can only be one right answer to this question. The answer is no, that was not the fast the Lord was looking for. Is this not the fast that I choose? To loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him? See, he's saying that his fast is to just completely give of yourself. Just give. What what did Paul say? We become death so that life can flow through us. This is what Jesus said. My fast is for you to just give up your wants And give to other people. Listen to this. This is, to me, this is the crux of fasting in this verse. I want you guys to hear that. this. And not to hide yourself from your own flesh. You remember when I said the two guys on the cross, we could easily identify with the humble man? The key in my fasting is to not hide myself from my own flesh. If I can't be honest with the Lord about my true state, He can't change me. He can't transform me. He can't humble me. He can't make me someone that life flows through. The goal in fasting, when you begin to fast, your flesh will scream. It'll tell you everything that it wants, everything that it deserves, everything that it needs. But when you break through that place, the Lord can begin to talk to you. Now remember, this is just my cross to pick up. Other people are in a broken place because of what life has done to them and they're so tender to the lord but i'm like that stubborn person you know i've got to be broken and i you know i remember when 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 bob and i were talking about about revival i said you know what bob i said i'm just hungry enough to ask the lord to make me hungry and He honored that, Bob. He did. He made me hungry, and, and He's just telling me how to become hungry. Making me hungry, telling me how to become hungry. Making me hungry, telling me how to become hungry. So, part of this hunger is a desire to not hide myself from my own flesh. See, repentance has to begin with us. If we, if we don't repent and here of our pride and our jealousy and our gossip and our selfishness, then how can we ever preach a message of love to the world when they just go, look at all that stuff in you. And so I have to not hide myself from my own flesh. That is the crux of of fasting to me. You know, wherever I see something in the Bible that's that I feel like is an absolute key to my walk with the Lord, I'll draw a little keychain with some keys hanging off of it. You know, like in Philippians 4 when it says be anxious for nothing, but all things through prayer and supplication make your requests known to the Lord. That's a key to me. That's a key to walking in the Christian faith. Well, this scripture right here to not hide myself from my own flesh is a key to walking in the Christian life. How many of us know 2 Chronicles 7.14? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven. He will come and He will heal our land. Do you know that when that was given, they were dedicating the temple? The temple had just been built and the Lord declared this word. He said... If I put something on your land, like locusts or disease, then if my people humble themselves and pray, I'll come and I'll heal those things. So that was a word for the Israelites on how to return to him as a people group. Because when the Lord ever put those things on the land, it was a warning sign. Come back to me. Come back to me. They had to seek him. Come back to me. So he was that word was originally to the Israelites, but how many know sometimes a word from the Old Testament becomes a word in due season? When Moses was writing the law, he wrote, Do not muzzle the ox. You know what? It was a it was a word about about how you should treat your oxen. But then Paul in the New Testament, all of a sudden he pulls this word out and he says, Do not muzzle the ox. He said, do you think that the Lord was talking about oxen? And what he was talking about was allowing people that are in ministry to receive the blessing from ministry, you know, to receive their salary from ministry. And that's the word. But, but when it was written in the Old Testament, they weren't talking about how to treat your ministry staff, your, your pastors, your leaders, your elders. They were just talking about oxen and how to treat animals. But Paul used that word as a prophetic now word. And we have received Second Chronicles 7.14 as a now prophetic word. The Lord is saying, if my people, if my believers, if my church will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and I will come and change their land, heal their land. Well, what does healing look like now? Well, sin is rampant. Division is rampant. This little section, if you watch it in the future, will be bleeped out, I can assure you. But homosexuality is rampant. Sexual perversion is rampant. You know, sexual perversion is rampant. And and it's called okay in this day and age. But God didn't change. Our land needs to be healed. People need to be saved. So... How does the Lord want to come and heal our land? I would submit to you that the Lord wants to come and heal this land through his people. All right. Listen to the rest of. After God says this is my kind of fast, listen to what the Lord said then, says after that. Now, I hesitate to read this. I'm going to read the whole rest of it. I, I almost hesitate to. Because I've heard enough sermons about how you can twist the Lord's arm to get what you want. And we've heard way too much of that in the kingdom and way too much prosperity message and too much, if you do this, God will do this for you. But this is God's Word, and I'm just going to read it. And actually, there are some keys in here for us becoming what the world needs if we stay humbled, if we stay broken, he says, So if you do this fast, if you give, and if you don't hide yourself from your own flesh, it said, Then your light will break out like the dawn, and your recovery will speedily spring forth. It says, and your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. It says, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a well-watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. You know, isn't the world kind of like a dry, deserty place right now? Does it need a group of people that are a spring of water? Does it need a well spring? That wasn't even in my notes. That's a, I'm just hearing the Lord right now. I'm telling you. Like I said, I I didn't even want to read that part about what the Lord would do in us. But the Lord needs us. He needs His people. We will be like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. The world is a dying, dry, dead place. Can these bones live? Is there a drought for the hearing of the Word of God? He wants to make us like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. He says, and those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up age old foundations. And you will be called the repairers of the breach, the restorers of streets in which to dwell. I'm crying out for those things. I can't tell you what to pray. And I can't guide your heart to be convicted. But I'm crying out for these things. I want to be those things. I want to be a restorer of people. And I know I've not been. I'm just telling you the truth. Guys, I have not been. I want to be someone who repairs breaches, who restores streets for for people to dwell in, who raises up age-old foundations, Someone who springs forth waters of living water. That's God's promise. Not if we just put on an act for holiness sake in front of Him. But if we become, as Evan Roberts said, bent. If we become broken. If we become humbled. If we take a look at our true wretched state and let God speak to us and change us. We become these things. We become light. The world needs light. You know why that in the Old Testament, the Lord said if His people will call out to Him, He'll come and heal that, those things? And then later in Isaiah 58, He says He'll turn us into those things. And why I believe that the Lord wants to work through His believers, His army, His body that He's released on the earth. There's a scripture in Psalm 115, 16. It says that the heavens are the heavens of the Lord's, but the earth He has given into the sons of man, into the hands of the sons of man. You see, He's given us this earth to rule and reign, He gave Adam dominion. And make no mistake, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But He made man to partner with. He made us to be the agents, the enactors of His will here on earth. The earth He's given into the hands of the sons of men. It's on us guys to be an outpouring that the people need. Now, I'm not uh, arguing against the sovereign outpouring of of the Lord. But even then, it comes through people. You know, there's a reason why they ended up saying there was pretty much, you know, this person led that revival, and that person led that revival, and this person, because... On the one hand, we could never do it without the sovereign outpouring of the Lord. But on the other hand, if there's no people for Him to pour into to be the outpouring of the Lord, the outpouring of the Lord won't happen. You know, the outpouring doesn't happen in the Arctic Circle. If God's just going to sovereign do it, I guess it could just happen in the Arctic Circle. But There's no person there for the outpouring to come through. You know, outpouring came through Evan Roberts. Outpouring came through. Uh, um, now I'm forgetting the name of the guy. <laughs> what was that? Seymour William Seymour. Yeah, at Azusa Street, and uh, Barnum at 1901 in 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 Topeka, Kansas, and um, the Arnotts up in uh, up in Toronto, and and Steve Hill and a team of group of people at Brownsville, and and a man named Carlos Anacondia in uh, Argentina. And uh, I forget the name of the guy. They had a massive uh, revival in the 50s in Argentina, and there was a guy who led that as well. The Lord always works through a group of people, and I want to be part of that group of people. I want to be not the face, not the leader, not when history says there was a revival that Josh Smith... But those revivals all came through a person or people that got bent before the Lord, who got broken before the Lord, and cried out before the Lord. You know, we were praying the other night for Rachel, and Eddie said something so powerful. He was praying, he said, why not here, Lord? Why not now? Why not, why not here? Why not now? Why not us? Why can't we be a people that gets so broken before the Lord that the Lord says those people are repairers of the breach. Those people's light is going to spring forth speedily. Those people are going to create streets for people to dwell. Why not here? Why not us? Why not me? Well, if I can't pick up my cross and die daily, that's one answer, why not me? If I don't die... Then it can happen. You know, I was watching a, a video last night um, on Reese Howell. I don't know if you guys know who Reese Howell is, but he was an intercessor over in England uh, during World War II, or or at least in the UK. And um, my goodness, I didn't realize how what a man of God this guy was. I know he wrote a lot of bu- books on intercession, but do you realize that he? There are many. That single-handedly uh, give credit to him in the school that he was leading on how some of World War II went down. He prayed, and things changed. Uh, one time, they captured these German soldier uh, pilots, and they were flying in to, to bomb England, and suddenly, unexplainably, they turn around. And later on, they asked, and they said, why did you turn around with only two planes coming at you? And they said, two? There were hundreds of them. See, they saw hundreds of English planes coming at them, but the English army was nearly defeated. They were down to two. But God did a miracle. And, the, and what they were praying is all written. They journaled everything these massive breakthroughs that they had. So anyway, but I was watching this video and they said, they were asking his son, what was his power? And they said he was a man wholly possessed by the Holy Spirit, by God. You know, we think of possession as such an ugly word, but this they said the secret of Reese House is that he was a man possessed by the Holy Spirit. Guys, you want to go ahead and come up? I'm going to to land this plane, speaking of the British Army. The Lord, even more than us, is wanting to find... He's wanting to come and heal our land. He wants to move in our land. He's looking to find a group of people willing to humble themselves to the point that He can do it through them. See, revival doesn't start out there. Revival starts with you. Revival starts with me. Picking up our cross is that path to humility. What does your flesh yearn for? Where do you resist the call of God? What causes you to think I would rather be dead than go without that? You know, believe it or not, I was a really bad alcoholic teenager. And I got put in counseling, and this counselor asked me, Josh, what would your life look like without alcohol? And I said, I would rather be dead. It was so all-consuming, I began to picture it as who I was. Drinking was who I was. Later on, as a smoker, I identified as a smoker. You know, I'd rather not be alive if I can't smoke. But, you know, those things weren't me. But we can begin to think our stuff is us. You know, but that could be your cross. Whatever you hear the Lord asking you to give up and you say, I'd rather die than give that up, then that may be the cross for you. You know, it may be sickness that is your cross. It may be financial lack or a dozen other things. But if we willingly embrace them, it can be our humbling point. I cannot tell you, I'm going to read this as I wrote it, I cannot tell you what your cross is to pick up in order to follow Jesus in death and humility. For me, it is a call to fasting. You know, we as people often like to get as mo, as comfortable as we possibly can. I just watched Eddie's sermon last night and he pulled that chair up there and he said, I'll follow you, Jesus. Oh, but here's my recliner. I'll follow You, Jesus, oh, but I'm tired. Oh, I'll follow You, Jesus, but oh, I need to catch a break. I need to rest a little bit. We people are prone to seek our comfort. I'm going to tell you, fasting for me breaks comfort. Going without breaks up my comfort. We despise, typically, as a people, getting out of our comfort zone. We may even go so far as to tell ourselves that we deserve what the peace and the comfort that we have because that's what Christ bought for us. That's a powerful deception, people. He did not, however, buy us comfort, He bought us peace. And they are not the same thing. He is calling us out of our comfort so we can make a difference. Some of you through circumstance need to only come to Him in prayer because you're already broken. Anyone who has multiple children will understand that some children have a very strong will and some are very tender. So what God needs to do to break each one of us is going to look different. Some people are just tender and their hearts cry out to God immediately. Others like me have to hit their head and hit their head and hit their head and be broken. Looking at our own flesh can look a lot like the second and third crosses. We gaze upon that mirror. But doing something about it is where we accept that fourth cross. We allow ourselves to die to our flesh And become those who, like Jesus, begin to have something to offer the world. Who, through following him in a crucifixion, can be seen as a light in this world, a flame not hidden, a repairer, a restorer, a mender. We can be food for the hungry, we can be drink for the thirsty. We can be provision for the needy. We can be renewal for the weary. And we can be revival for the dying. What is your cross? Will you pick up your cross? I'm asking you guys now to come and seek the Lord. If the Lord hasn't moved on your heart, that there's something in you that needs to die, that there's something in you that needs to break, there's something in you that needs to change. Then I guess I failed here today because there's so much more that the Lord is calling for us to be as wellspring than just a gathering. And I'm calling you guys to come, to come, come, come. Get before the Lord. Seek Him. See what He would say to you. What do you need to give up? What does your life look like before Him? How is He asking you to die daily before Him? Oh, I pray that somebody caught this Word and said, yes, Lord, there's something in me that needs to change. Yes, Lord, there's something in me that needs to break. Yes, Lord, I want to be tender and broken before You and able to heal people repair people, restore people, mend people. Come before the Lord. Come before the Lord.
0: word. Can I ask you a question? You say, well, man, when do I uh, when do I die to myself? Can I tell you, a lot of it has to do with attitude. You know, we all have things in our life that are difficult. How many know that? And how you accept that is how you bear your cross. You ever thought about it that way? Like have you ever had anything so hard, you're saying, Man, if this were not in my life, I could serve the Lord so well. And then that's gone, or maybe it's not gone. Next thing in life comes, and the attitude comes again. Man, if this weren't in my way, I could really serve the Lord how many are old enough to realize that that never ends the world we live in is always going to have struggles it's always going to have just by nature of this world being a sinful world it's going to have things constantly come that we have to deal with and that's where you bury your cross you accept what's in your life And you look at it and you say, you know what? I'm going to do this through the power of the Spirit of the Lord. I'm not going to do it through myself. Or we can have an attitude and say, I refuse to deal with it. Sometimes we get angry at God. Sometimes we get angry at people. And you know what God wants? He wants people that take it to Him in prayer and say, you know what? I'm going to bear this through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to walk right through it. God has allowed us to have a cross to bear because... That's where He shines the brightest. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet right now. Let's just take a time uh, to worship the Lord. Stand, uh, not because I like you to get exercise, but we because we can honor God. If you're able to, let's do it. If you're not, don't. we're going to take a few moments to honor God. And if you need prayer, that's what we're here for. If you have something that you're bearing in your life, know, uh, accept what's in your life and say, God, I I want to give it to you, and I'm going to bear it through you. I'm not going to try to go around it. I'm going to bear it through you. You know, your will, your will for my life is more important than what I think my life should look like. And God will help you through it. God will show you why it's there. And it's important because how many know characters built in? When We bear the cross the way God has intended us to bear it. That's when we grow more mature in the Lord. And we get those character traits that God wants us to have. Hallelujah. Let's just worship. And if you need prayer, maybe you're away from the Lord. Maybe you're struggling with something. Uh, We're here to pray for you. That's what we're here for. We're not rushing to a business meeting. We're going to take time to love the Lord, worship the Lord. Hallelujah.
1: List of people I gave in the beginning was any kind of exhausted lift list. The Lord has put a group of us together, the first leadership group, and it we really drew close. And I pray that the Lord is doing that for those of you who are in the other leadership groups. But I'm both in no way sliding those people who have faithfully served here for a long time, longer than I, so blessed by Ryan and the team's continued faithfulness and worship, and just what so many people have done for so long, can't wait to see Dave back in the building with us, but anyway, just know that I wasn't trying to slight anyone that have such a heart for everyone here. So We're going to transition and we're going to end this time and go into the business meeting uh, section. So I just want to pray for you guys, um, for you, those who are going to leave because you're not a part of the business, and then pray for our business meeting and then we'll, we'll go into that. So, Father God, we just thank you for uh, the word that came forth today. I pray that it does bear much fruit just put a blessing on everyone in this house. Uh, Those who are leaving now and those who are going to continue to stick around, uh, cause your face to shine upon them, oh God. That they would see you in the light of your countenance. That they would be transformed from glory to glory. Lord, as we go into the business, I pray that you would Give us this unity of the Spirit that we have been praying for and that Chad has been teaching about that we don't have to be in agreement in everything, but we do have to walk in the same direction together. So just come and, and, and do that here in this meeting, Lord. Let Your presence be like the dew of Herman. and let it be like the oil running down, that there will be brethren dwelling together in unity today in this place, in this meeting. In your precious name I pray, Jesus, amen.